that has played a very huge role because I haven't been able to connect fully. Hello, print friends, and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release weekly episodes with people around the world who share our love of printmaking. If you like what we do, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. That really does make a difference. Or just tell a fellow print friend about the podcast, and maybe they'll enjoy it too. We also have a Patreon page, where supporters can join at tiers starting at just a dollar a month, and that really helps keep us bringing you printmaking content every week. You can also get thank yous like exclusive merchandise as well as access to our bonus content, Shop Talk with our editor, Timothy Pauschak. These are chats for the printmaker's printmaker. They talk about color theory, materials, chemistry, and lots of nuts and bolts down-to-earth professional advice. How do you get a solo exhibition? How do you balance teaching and making? How did you get that gig teaching in the first place? So if that sounds like something you're interested in, you can check out the link in the show notes to sign up and hear Tim's chat with today's guest. And if you want to save a little cash and still support the show, you can now sign up for a yearly subscription and save 15% off your tier price. We also have merch, printmaking jokes on t-shirts and Hello Print swag, available now through TeePublic. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers. Hello Print Friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, who've been supporting printmakers with high-quality products since 1997. That's why they've partnered with some of today's most well-respected artists and friends of the pod, such as Steve Prince, Delita Martin, Jamal Barber, and Angela Pilgrim, all of which create Speedball's professional artist network. And if you're looking to join the pros and want to be featured on Speedball yourself, Head on over to speedballart.com to find out how you can apply. This episode of Hello Print Friend is also brought to you by McLean's Printmaking Supplies, who've been dedicated to the art and artists of relief printmaking since 1979. Their small specialist team in the Pacific Northwest is the leading supplier of Japanese relief tools for printmakers in the U.S. and abroad, whose primary purpose is to help you find the materials and support you need to reach your printmaking goals. In addition to their high-quality Japanese carving tools, McLean's has resources, books, DVDs, and information on how to use everything you need to make a woodblock, from barons and blocks to paper and whetstones. So head on over to McLean's at imclean's.com or follow the link in the show notes and learn something new today. My guest this week is Sandra C. Fernandez. We'll talk about dislocation, relocation, memory, and self-conscious identity construction. Also, the Consejo Gráfico Nacional, an organization that brings together Latino printmaking taliers throughout the United States, of which she just happens to be the executive director. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to connect cultures with Sandra C. Fernandez. Hi, Sandra. How's it going? Hi, Miranda. Good. How are you doing? I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm so happy we're getting a chance to connect and to chat. I know, I know. It's 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 an honor for me to be uh, being interviewed by you and to be part of this um, podcast. So thank you. Oh, wonderful! That's so sweet for you to say. Yeah, um, we're really excited to have you, and we always love 
being able to do the bilingual episodes with interesting and dynamic printmakers out there in the world. So you'll be chatting <laughs> with Ronaldo as well. And we look forward to definitely sharing both talks. Yeah. I'm so excited about it too. So before we get into our questions, I always invite my guests to introduce themselves just by answering the questions, who you are, where you are, and what you do. Sure. So I am an artist um, a former professor. Um, I live currently in Parlin, New Jersey. Yes. Yeah, so I am, let's see, I am so many things. I am a mixed media artist, I would say. I am a photographer. I am a printmaker. I do soft sculpture. I do installation work. Uh, I do a little bit of fiber arts work. So it's a combination of all these, actually it's a combination of all these things together um, separately and, and together, depending on, on what I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so where did you grow up and what role did art play in that part of your life? Okay. So it's an interesting story. I was born in, in New York. Uh, but before I turned one year old, I moved back to my mother's home country, Ecuador. So I grew up in Quito, Ecuador, um, since I was one year old until about 22 years old that I migrated back to the United States. So I've been here in the United States ever since. Um, growing up, um, well, I became, I really became an artist uh, with that full title, uh, moving back to the United States um, after, you know, when I was, when I was already um, a young adult. Growing up, I was always uh, looking at art and seeing art and, and being influenced by the amazing um Handcraft work that exists um, in, in in Ecuador, mm. uh, and and also not only the handcraft work but also um, fine art fine art artists. Uh, but I never in my imagination would have thought that I would become you know one of them. Uh, but uh, but I would not before I, I migrated back to the United States. I I took photographs. Um, I don't I wouldn't consider myself a photographer back then. Uh, I always had a camera on me and I would, I would record everything. Um, but you know, it was more snapshots. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so that actually became the base of my, of my, um, of my art, artistry, I would say when I moved back to the United States. And so you, you said you grew up is, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not familiar with the city. You said Quito, is it, is it a big city? Is it a artistic yeah. city? What is it like? Um, well, Quito is a beautiful city in Ecuador, is the capital, uh -huh. and uh, it's actually uh, in the mountains area. It's um, surrounded by the Andes, and Quito sits really in the basin of, of it around, and, and, and you see all the mountains surrounding uh, the city. Um, since I've moved back and since, you know, I lived there, it has grown enormously. And when I, when I was a child, um, uh, the mountains were, were green. Now the mountains are occupied by homes, by houses. Yeah, yeah, so it has yeah. really grew and expanded upwards, uh, in, in, in a way that actually is dangerous now, um, in terms of the environment, um, but uh, Quito, uh, it's also a beautiful colonial city. Um, there are like 23 churches in a, in a very reduced square footage uh, in the downtown area, the old part of the city. And all these churches were built in colonial times. Um, so those have been kept in, uh, in nowadays, lately in the last 
through the years they have been renovated and and it's it's just a beautiful gorgeous place to be um it's you know it's a combination of of the old and, and the old world and and the new world so um it's it's quite beautiful it's gorgeous yeah yeah and then was there you you mentioned sort of the the craft i imagine as the capital as well did, did it have contemporary art and art galleries and museums was that at all a part of your early influence uh yes and no mm. so um about 80 percent of the population um back when i was growing up was uh, actually more 90 percent i would say uh indigenous population and we have many nations um of indigenous people um in, in throughout ecuador um, so every, every group, every ethnicity would have their own, um, art, artisany and, uh, their own way of making art. So there would be these fairs and, and you would, and you would see all these people selling things in the streets or, or in markets. Uh, so that's one side. And then the other side, yes, you know, the, um, the, the museums and, and, and the fine arts, um, uh, and we have um, big names uh, throughout Latin America that come from from Ecuador, mm. uh, like uh, Wayasamin is one name, uh, Kingman, um, so on and so forth. So um, I I did have um, an influence from both um, both areas of art making, I would say, but also in my own work, um, I do I do bring all those, I bring in all that background into my work. And, and when I was studying art, I, I really made an effort to, to incorporate them and, and to uh, blend them. Um, so you will see in some of my work, like my artist books, um, in my prints also, I combine things that I learned like weaving and sewing and um, basketry and things like that. So, um, so my my background is 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 a combination of of all these um, um, ways of making art. Absolutely, yeah. And so, where did printmaking come into your story? How did you find it? Oh, printmaking, my first love. So <laughs> going back to Ecuador, um, I was always an admirer of of art and artists. And um, um, back in the day, we had um, a lot of fairs, book fairs. And uh, and to add something to my background, uh, I grew up surrounded by books. My grandfather was a bibliophile, and uh, and he his livelihood was uh, buying and selling books, Ecuadorian books and beyond. So um, I would, um, since very, very young, I was surrounded by books and I was very, always very interested in reading and in books. So there were all these fairs. Um, and, um, and when I was growing up um, there, it was, uh, uh, there was a lot of influence from central uh, Mexico, um, Central America, as to what was going on politically, um, so Marxism and um, mm -hmm. and uh, liberation theology, you know, all these all these movements, social movements were were uh, very present. So these book fairs were tied with 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 acquiring knowledge about all these social movements. So Cuba pre uh, played a big role. Um, Cuba was also very influential in, 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 uh, within the youngsters and, you know, in this, um, in this period of time. So during these art book fairs, they were, they, they will bring posters 
Uh, and they were posters about uh, political things, but also um, the Cuban um, stance will bring uh, the Cuban posters, beautiful mm-hmm. silk screens that uh, always capture my eye. So that's when I when I was drawn first to to printmaking. I had no idea what it was. There were silk screens. I had no yeah. idea what. I was just so attracted to them and I actually bought a few back then so that's how my 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 interest um started but then you know I never made anything out of it I I I loved um collecting art and I and I did buy a few little things you know I was I was a student I didn't have any money uh but I but I started collecting a little you know buying little things posters here and there um and I would just um you know have them in my in my room in my um in my in my house, uh, um, hang, hanging there. Um, so then, when I moved to United States, um, I I guess I picked up that that interest and all those influences because I remembered I knew how beautiful these things were and and once I realized that I could do something like that, you know, everything kind of came back to me. Um, so that that would be the my first connection to to printmaking. Um, growing up. And maybe you said this earlier, but you said when you moved back to the US, where Mm -hmm. did you end up? Where did you move back to? Oh, my goodness. So I came to California first, um, to the Mojave Desert. And uh, yes, yes. So and then I I moved um, all over the United States. Uh, I was married then. And uh, me and my ex-husband, we 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 went to a lot of places within the U.S., but California was the first. And then immediately after California, after three months, um, uh, we went to Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin, and and that is there is where I studied art. I know Madison is a wonderful place to study printmaking. It's one of the the top schools, and I think that they're hosting, I believe, the next SGCI conference as well. So, yes. yeah, yes. there'll be a lot of printmaking at Madison coming up soon, too. I know, I know. But the funny thing is that I landed in, in printmaking, in, in, in printmaking, sorry, I landed in, in Madison, Wisconsin without even knowing and and I actually ended up in this program without without, without having any idea of it. Um, yes, it, it you know things things in my life life have happened out of serendipity. Uh, it's almost like things have fell onto my lap without much planning, mm. but but the results have been so magnificent, so wonderful for me. So I feel I feel very uh, blessed about all these things that have happened to me in my yeah. life. Um, so so going back to uh, to to coming to the U.S. Um, um, so I I had to live um, Ecuador for uh, political circumstances, and uh, and when I moved to the United States, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do or what I was going to do or was going to be of, of my life. So I had studied sociology in the university and literature. Uh, but when I moved, not nothing, nothing made sense. Mm. So, um, and I had been studying for over three years already. I was, I was, uh, I didn't uh, graduate, but you know, I had all that schooling. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to continue to do that. 
um, I always struggled with um, with those um, areas of study. Um, I was very interested, but I was not interested too much in into the theory of it, and you know, all 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 that complexity uh, of 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 study. So when I moved to the United States, I was like, you know, so what am I what am I going to do now? What am I going to do that? I had no idea. Um, so I remember clearly when I moved to Madison, um, I was I was trying to figure out what to do, and I went to um, to Memorial Union, which was is the center where you know all the all the students gather and where you know you find flyers and things. So mm-hmm. I found this flyer uh, or this brochure rather of these night classes that they offered, and I was looking through and I was like, hmm, maybe there's something here that I can do or that would motivate me. So to make the story short. Um, I saw that there was a, a graphic design class mm. and I'm like, this sounds interesting. You know, I'm going to try it out. So I, I did it and I loved it. And I, <laughs> and from that minute I fell in love with the whole art design slash graphic, you know, everything. Um, and, um, and I, and I also realized that I was good using my hands, you know, the, 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 the small motor skills. So, I did that class, and then that is what made me um, want to pursue it further. But again, you know, I had been studying like three, three and a half years college, and I was like, you know, I'm done with it. I just want to do something, like something fast. And and my future wasn't very, um, you know, I, I wasn't really, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, so, um so I thought, okay, I'm just going to look for a two-year degree. You know, I want something fast, something practical, and I just want to work. I want to be able to work. So so I, I, I went to um, this place called Madison Area Technical College, and I signed up for it, and I loved it. I, I learned um, more graphic design. I, I continued to do photography. So this time I did learn actually how to do um, <laughs> yeah photography you know how to develop how to do all of it and then I learned videotaping and slideshows back then it was light shows uh multi-image and you know all, all all related to it and um um and then you know I graduated from that program and for the first time so again going back to Ecuador you know I wasn't the best student um I always struggled so in here I was getting A's and, you know, and I was and everything was coming so easy and I felt, oh my God, you know, I, I, I'm not even, I mean, I'm working hard on this, but it's coming so naturally that, you know, I'm having such a great time. <laughs> so I decided, okay, I'm going to continue. So I transferred my credits to, um, to uh, the University of um, Wisconsin and I finished my bachelor's there in art. So I got a degree in um uh, a bachelor's degree in um, in art, and actually that's when I was introduced to printmaking, mm-hmm. and I fell in love with it. So I started, you know, you take all the all the regular classes, drawing and painting and and everything, uh, and I took a printmaking class, and that was it. It hooked me up. That was it. I was like, oh my god, this is this is this is what I want to do. So I continued. I learned um, all the techniques that were available for me to learn. And, um, and then of course, you know, I, I wasn't satisfied. So I continued Then I got my master of arts and then my master of fine arts and, and, you know, and my life just became so rich and so full. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you were mentioning before that, um, UW is such a great program. Yes, it is. And, and, um, and to be honest with you, I didn't know that it was so great. (laughs) 
you know, you know, and and the thing is that you know, being being a migrant, I mean, not having lived here, I had no idea how the university systems work. You know, I had no idea that that you research all your life to go to the school that you wanted. You know, I I didn't know any of these things because in Ecuador, that's not how things are. You know. You go to the to the only thing there's available, and that's it. Well, at least I'm during my during my time. Um, so I had no idea, and 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 it was it was it was such an amazing opportunity for me. Uh, now looking back, I wish that I would have taken more advantage of it uh, because I was just there learning um, what I love to learn, and uh, and then after actually after I graduated and started uh, teaching and and going to SGC and all these things is when I realized, oh my God. You know, I had I had all these amazing people as professors there that unfortunately were on leave when I was studying there most of the time, mm-hmm. because that's what happens, you know, with with amazing professors. They are they're on leave and and and, <laughs> and, and TA are the ones teaching the classes. So so I didn't I didn't get the chance to work with with a lot of those um uh, people that I would have loved to work with, but but it, but it, you know, but I I did get a lot of the uh, of the great training from from um, a lot of them. I was just thinking what you're saying, and it's I definitely understand that that feeling of you know not showing up somewhere and really not knowing how it works. Having had an immigrant experience myself um, in two countries, yeah. and these these ideas yeah. that you're dropped into this water that mm-hmm. most everyone else has been swimming in since they were born. <laughs> yeah. And so you just don't know how things work and, and people don't even think to explain to you and not out of malice, but just out of the yeah. fact that they, they can't see the forest from the trees because they've been living in the forest their whole lives, you know, and it would be you know, the same way in, in my own home country too. So I, I just really kind of identify with that feeling of just learning that, oh, it, it doesn't work that way. And then kind of just being lucky and falling into something. Um, And I think for a a lot of people, whatever school they go to can be a a bit of luck as well, because you can go and you can visit, but you never know what it's like to work with a professor until you're in it. You know, you never know what you're getting into. And then of course, when you're young and you're just starting out, you don't even have anything to compare it to. So it's so, it's so interesting. I, I always think that maybe later in life, I'd like to go back and be a student again because I yeah. just you know I was just such a such mm-hmm. like a babe in the woods when I started just wandering around you know <laughs> like not yes. understanding how any of it worked I know isn't isn't that something and you know that's why I was so interested in in being a professor and mm-hmm. and and mentor and doing mentorship um because I I really felt that I fell through the cracks in a way you know I I really, I mean, I was very lucky because I did have some great mentors at UW. Um, I did, I did, I work with um, with Cavalier Ketchum, which was um, actually he was he was a, um, a Latin a Latino professor, and and oh my goodness, this and he was a photographer, and that's and that and I studied photography as an undergraduate too, and he was such an amazing person because he was probably the only person that took interest like deep mm-hmm. interest in me and who I was. Um, and, 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 and I, and I brought this back to when I was uh, a professor at the university of Texas in Austin, you know, I be, I, I wanted to become this, this mentor to help and give a hand to all these Latino students, Latinx students that didn't have the opportunity um, you know, even though, you know, and, and, and there are other categories we can talk about, you know, we live in this country, but, but, 
there are there are not the same opportunities, you know, for all the people that have been living here and have lived here. So I I just wanted to to offer uh, my knowledge, you know, and and give a hand as much as I could. And and you know, still, you know, even being a professor, you know, I needed mentorship myself, yeah. which I didn't yeah. get, by the way. But <laughs> but you know, so 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 you know, it's like. It's like it's, it's very interesting uh, because there are all these tears, all these all these things. And you and and as you get older, you realize, you know, I could have I should have. And and I wish that. But mm. but, you know, but that's um, I mean, you cannot regret things. Right. You can no. just change your future yeah. um, and you can just learn. But- you know, that's, yeah, that's it. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'd love to get a chance to talk about your work more in the specific. And you write that it's about trans-border experiences of exile, dislocation, relocation, memory, and self-conscious identity construction slash reconstruction, which, (laughs) you know, it sounds like a mouthful when I just read it all out like that. But I, I, I feel like it's very much sort of present in your work. And, and, you know, again, kind of as someone who's lived outside of my home country for the last three years, I think I understand in a way that I wouldn't have five years ago, mm-hmm. the depth of exploring those themes and how, mm-hmm. um, you know, how just completely dislocating and jarring it can be to leave home, you know, leave this whole set of structures, social norms, languages that you knew, and then on the other side, it's just you, but you mm-hmm. don't have any of your touch points to remind you of who you are anymore. Yes. And, and it's, it's really interesting for to learn how much you construct your identity based on people around you, based on circumstances, based on your job, based on, um, how p- other people see you and to mm-hmm. land thousands of miles away with none of that structure in place and realizing you can rebuild it mm-hmm. and you can do that in a very self-conscious way as well if you if you were interested in it in in doing so so anyway mm-hmm. i love all of the topics i find them super fascinating um <laughs> how do they manifest in your work for you okay so um the transborder experiences of exile. Uh, <clears throat> so my work since the beginning has been about obviously about who I am, um, about uh, my cultural background. Since the very beginning, it was very important to me to not lose sight of where I came from and, and who I was. Um, the As I said before, um, I had to leave Ecuador. Um, it wasn't by choice. Um, and I and I also talk about this, like growing up, uh, even though I was a U.S. citizen, uh, I was always against against the the politics and the, the policies of the U.S. against the world, especially against uh, Central America and South America. So I had this resentment, um, and I and always I always saw the United States as as the empire, you know, as this powerful place that capable of doing so many things. So I wasn't very excited about the idea, but. Um, when when things happen and, and I found myself having to leave the leave the country, um, the only place that I could go was the U.S. because I was a citizen. Mm-hmm. So so I moved here and um, um, my father actually lived in the United States and I had I didn't grow up with him and I had been I had visited him um, on on several occasions um, 
for summer vacation. I would have, I, I came like three or four times, maybe five to see him. So, you know, I was familiar and, and I liked it. But at the same time, of course, you know, I was so attracted to all the, all the things that I found here. You know, it was, it was, it was, so it was a push and pull for me. Um, and, and this push and pull translates to so many aspects of my life. Uh, you know, the duality of, uh, of the saying, I'm not from here, I'm not from there, or, mm. or, you know, the, my, my bilingualism and, you know, all these, all these dualities that I have carried in my life. So anyways, going back. So, um, so I moved, so, so when I moved, when I, when I started making work, um, I, I didn't start talking about my political, um, background until probably later when I actually, when I started doing printmaking is when I started to, to talk about these issues that had, that I had experienced. And, and for me, it was a very traumatic, um, uh, time of my life. And, um, and, and I, and even when I produced these prints, the first prints that I made, um, I didn't talk about them and, and, and actually I, I made them, I presented in classes and I buried them in drawers until a few years back. Like I never showed them to anybody. Um, and, and so then when I actually, when I moved to Texas, um, in 2005, and there's another story that is going to come together when we talk about Consejo Grafico Nacional. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so these prints were made and they were buried and, um, so uh, that's, you know, going back to your first question about um, the exile. Um, but then, um, so I, didn't, I really didn't want to talk about those, those experiences. I kind of pushed them back uh, in, inside of me. And, but then um, I started thinking about um, my culture and, and the legacy for my children. Um, at one point when I was um, in grad school, um, actually towards the end, I, was, I became I, I was pregnant of my first son. And um, and this really made me think about uh, issues of um, uh, cultural issues, er- heritage. And I started doing making work about who I was, where I came from. Um, and this really helped me assert my place or a place in this new culture. It really helped me grab me onto onto something. I mean, I, I, I needed to, to, to know that I was someone, you know, that I had a past, that I had a whole life before coming here that was very important, that was deep, that was emotional, that was, that was nurturing, that was beautiful, uh, also. So I started making, um, um, artist books, uh, that would talk about that. Um, and but actually photography was first like uh you know i carried on my photography my photographic interests and and i wanted to again this idea of 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 not connecting you know of not feeling part of and and i wanted to feel part of it so so i started taking pictures of of the the odd quote unquote the different um and uh, i was very influenced by diane arvis's work for example in photography um to mention you know a name and so and then also i started taking pictures about hispanics like it was my first approach and and um and try to connect with others like me uh, but of course you know it was never like me because every 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 person's experience is so different and you're never going to find what you left 
you know, unless you moved to a community that was exactly like yours. Um, so I always had this void, you know, of, of this identity, not identity void, but this, this, this community, um, void of, of, of trying to find a community and to try to feel that I was at home. And, um, and I actually never found that until I moved to Texas, going back to Texas. Um, memory started to play a big role in my work also, um, through remembering my childhood memories. Mm Um, my childhood was a really beautiful, loving childhood, but at the same time, I was uh, scarred because I felt abandoned uh, by my father. Uh, so I grew up with this, with this void, with this re- this big hole in my heart that um, you know I was I was left. Mm-hmm. So that played a super huge role in 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 my upbringing, and um, so I started making work about that and about my experiences meeting my father for the first time when I was three years old, and 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 then um, these these memories um, moved to to thinking about my role as a as a like what the things that happened to me as being a, a girl a woman, um, and then later on my role as a woman, as, as, as a wife, you know, as a daughter, um, all these, all these things. So my work has been very personal. Um, it was very personal for a long time. Um, and then again, Texas kind of marked me in, in such a wonderful way that it, 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 it kind of changed, changed the curse of the, not the curse, the course of my <laughs> <laughs> of my of my art making so trying to figure out how do I fit in this new space that I, I have been given you know how what what do I make out of it how do I how do I uh, fit in um I never wanted to be assimilated mm-hmm. um even though it's interesting because I did go to an American school in Ecuador and I and I learn English. I mean, I knew English. Um, but it's funny because I, I tell the story to my kids. Um, I did know English, but when I came to the first, the first to the U S you know, that first week try, and trying to listen in the news, I didn't understand a word. Uh-huh. Really? <laughs> like, like I was, Oh my God, what are they like? And, and to the day, Miranda, I still don't get it. You know, I still don't get sayings. I still don't get understand some words that people are saying. And sometimes, you know, I pass by by a little bit. I think I don't know if this is true, like a little ignorant because I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Or, or I, I don't understand what people are asking me or telling me. So, you know, so is this thing that that you as much as you live in a place, you are never going to fully immerse in it because there is so much that you get you know from from where you're born till you are 18 years old you know you're like your formative years yeah. that that you that you don't get even I mean I have lived in this country how many years now more than I lived in, in Ecuador but I still you know I still you know don't relate to a lot of things that I wish I would mm. um, even even simple things like movies you know names of movies or or, right. or you know, right. things, things like that that people talk about because that was that was part of their upbringing, mm-hmm. and that um, like collective memory exactly. that people have, who you know, were you know in their twenties, in the eighties, in you know the Texas or something, you know, like this, like that real yeah. that and the how it's so uh, integral for 
bonding. Yeah, and you know, and an anecdote again. So, so my boyfriend was telling me the other day about this massive killer person that everybody knew about. So he mentioned this name. I was like, "Who is this?" And he was like, "Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know that kind of stuff." Yeah. And and you know, the thing is, Miranda, that sometimes, and actually throughout my 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 art career, that has played a very huge role because. I haven't been able to connect fully and I have always felt like an outsider mm. to to many of, of the art communities that I have um, been part of. So I, I was I have always felt that way, you know, that I, I don't fit in completely and 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 it's been and it's been uh, it's, it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's 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 that is the connection that the connections that you acquire when you are young. Um, because even like, again, you know, I have lived in this country for so many years, but also, you know, my, my ex-husband was Spanish speaking and we were from the same culture. So, so I didn't have to, to, in a way to learn and adapt to if I, if I would have, you know, married a, 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 an Anglo person, a U.S. citizen that has lived, you know, his entire life here or, or, you know, or even, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So, so yes, I have kind of kept myself within my familiar group. This might be a, a good time to actually, because I feel like it, it, you know, it certainly falls under the umbrella of all of this and, and you know, finding mm-hmm. community when you are not in this, the city or the state or the country yeah. that you grew up in. Um, the Consejo Grafico Nacional that you are yeah. currently the executive director of. Um, yes. Would you please let people know, well, I guess, first of all, just what it is and what does the organization do? Of course, of course. So the Consejo Gráfico Nacional um, is an independent coalition of printmaking workshops. Uh, we call them talleres. Mm-hmm. Uh, formed to advance the capacity. Actually, I'm going to read you the, the mission statement. Perfect. Uh, formed to advance the capacity and legacy of Latino printmakers, mm-hmm. inclusive of all Americas and the United States, through combination of collater- collaborative projects, exhibitions, educational outreach, and conferences, the Consejo promotes the continuity of critical and cultural activism in contemporary art. Beautiful. So uh, I was, yeah, I was, I was talking about um, how moving to Austin, Texas kind of changed my life. Yeah. And, and it, it actually did. Um, so all, all the years before, um, you know, I have always been very active making art and, and, and actually being in communities, diverse communities, um, in my art, my work has been accepted, um, you know, and actually in widely different communities, but, but I never felt that my work was understood completely. You know, I always felt that there was something that that didn't click with people, and and because it didn't click, it wasn't um, considered or uh, respected as much as I would have wanted to. So I moved to Austin, Texas, um, in two thousand and four, um, and you know, the first month that I am there, I. F- I it, it, it was such a strange thing. I felt that I was in Quito. I felt that mm. that I was not in Quito, but I felt the connection. I felt that that oh my goodness, these people are like my people. Yeah. Um, you know, the the Mexican American community and the Mexican community in Austin. It was such a, a breath of fresh air. Um, and and little by little, I started feeling that I was home. Not only 
um, listening to Spanish all the time or most of the time. You know, I would go to the supermarket and people will know Spanish and will speak Spanish. So, so just that, you know, it made me feel, oh my God, so, so, so at home. Um, the vegetation, you know, the plants that grew there were the same plants that grew in Quito when I was growing up. So I felt such a connection just from the landscape and from the environment. Um, so then when I, when I moved there, of course, I was trying to, like I always did, because I, I moved to like, I don't know, 15 different states places, states, cities, not states, cities uh, in the U.S. up to that point. Um, so I always um, wanted to make connections and see, you know, talk to galleries and talk to people and see who will be interested in my work, blah, blah, blah. So it was very interesting because not many people opened doors for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did until I met Sam Coronado from the Seria Project, from Coronado Studios in Austin, Madison. Uh, Sam Coronado um, was the director founder of the Seria project, which actually is one of our Taller members uh, from Consejo Rafico Nacional. Um, he he had a call, so he um, he invited artists, Latino artists, um, to do residencies in his um, studio, and um, and he and he was um, he opened a, a call, and I it happened that I went to to this gallery. Um, in Austin and, and one of his brochures was, was, you know, in this gallery and I picked up the brochure and this, see, that's, those are things that, you know, things that happen for a reason and happen at the right moment. Mm-hmm. So picking up that brochure was like, like this, this, you know, this, this turning a corner in a way, <laughs> you know, that you turn a corner, you know, what's going to be there, but you know, and you have no idea what's going to happen. And, 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 and you find that corner at the right time. So I picked up this brochure and, 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 you know, and saw that he was uh, a Latino, actually Chicano, but, uh, and that he was calling for, for uh, artists. So immediately I contacted them. I, I submitted my, my work. I applied, blah, blah. And right away, he opened doors for me, something that didn't happen in Austin for me at that time. But he opened right away, like he, he saw my, he reviewed my application, he saw my work. And the next day he called me up and he said, Sandra, I'm really interested in your work. Uh, I would like to invite you to be a visiting artist. So I was like, wow. And the minute that I made that connection, Miranda, my life changed forever. Um, He, um, he introduced me to all these uh, world that I had not had the, the the chance to 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 be with, you know, Hispanics, Latinos, speaking Spanish people, um, super important artists that have been working for forever, um, you know, on, on on similar things that I have, um, and uh, and just 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 feeling that I had a home, that I had a, a niche, a place that I could go to. Yeah. Um, so at that time, a little bit after, um, I was hired to teach at the University of Texas in Austin. So, okay. So, uh, so Sam Coronado. So I, um, I did a residency with him, uh, and then I decided to volunteer and to help out, um, at, uh, at the Sayer print. So I, I became friends with him and, and, and time went by and I even became a board member of the Seria project, um, within a few years. And he introduced me to to all these um, different people from Consejo Gráfico Nacional. So La Serie Project was part of, of Consejo Gráfico Nacional. Um, by the way, Consejo Gráfico Nacional um, was um, was born, I would say, um, probably in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And, and the, um, 
the creator of this of this idea of this group was um, Gilberto Cárdenas, uh, and he is a, a very well known um, Latino art collector and um, and also um, a professor and and he has he has done a lot of um, very important um, things for Hispanics and the Latino community. He's a sociologist, a professor. So anyway, so he he realized one day that he that there were all these talleres because he he had been collecting art from Latino artists all his life. And and he knew all these people from from different states that, you know, had origins, Latino, Hispanic origins. So he so he realized that there was a disconnect between all these talleres, all these people. So he wanted to bring together and connect connect them all Mm. so he was the the one who thought about doing this um so he started introducing people and connecting people and that's when consejo grafico well it had a different name back then but this is how how all the talleres came together um so when i um become part of um of the seria project uh, the seria was part of of consejo who had already been formed and and they were having meetings they had structure uh, they had been collaborating and doing a lot of exchanges among themselves. So I learned about them. And um, and I became part of Consejo Rafico Nacional through the Seria project and um, started to meet all these amazing people. And and just getting to know them and, and to realize that the art that I was that I have been making and, and the ideas, the concepts, um, the culture, really the culture was so big and 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 I had no idea how influential and how big it was because um it wasn't talked about I mean it isn't still it isn't well maybe the last few years people know about um our work more than before Mm. but but you know 20 30 years ago it was it was not um very well known outside um those places where it was um, recognized and where it was born. Um, so I realized that I I belonged, that I belonged as an artist somewhere, and and I started making these relationships with with all these people from different influences. Um, so Consejo Gráfico Nacional is composed of currently of thirteen different talleres. Uh, and we have. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna name them. Yeah, Is that all right? Please, yes. So um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go alphabetically um, to not give priority to anybody. So we have Arceo Studio from Chicago. Uh, Rene Arceo is a director. We have Coronado Print Studio. Um, Pepe Coronado is a director and uh, is, curr- is currently housed in Austin, Texas. Uh, his studio just moved from New York City um, back to Austin, Texas. We have uh, Dignidad Rebelde, um, which is um, in uh, California, in the in San, in the San Francisco area, and um, the directors are uh, Melanie Cervantes and um, Jesus Barraza. Uh, we have El Nopal Press, um, conducted by Francesco Siqueiros. This is in Los Angeles, California. We have Monográfico Colectivo. The director is Marianne Sadowski. It's also in Los Angeles, California. We have Marichal Studio, uh, led by Polly Marichal. And she she was in Los Angeles, but now she went back to her country in Puerto Rico. So she now has her studio in Puerto Rico. We have Pajaro Editions, uh, led by Juan Fuentes. This is um, also in the San Francisco area. We have Rio Mar Studio. Uh, from Indiana, 
the director is uh, Ramiro Rodriguez. We have self-help graphics. Um, this is a huge organization uh, in um, um, in Los Angeles, California as well. And this is led by uh, Betty uh, Avila. We have the Seria Project. Um, um, as I was talking about, Sam Coronado was the director of, of this place. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away in 2014. Um, so... Um, now it's been it's not operating as before it has been restructured so his wife um jill ramirez is um is, is starting it up again um we have my taller is fernandez art uh present taller and i am in new jersey we have taller arte del nuevo amanecer tana which is in the um uh, in california also uh and the director is currently um juan arenas and uh, part of this taller, actually the founder, um, is uh, Malakias Montoya, who is a, a big name um, in the Chicano graphic arts uh, uh, movement. Um, he, he is one of the older folks, and, um, and he's a legend um, mm-hmm. for us. Um, so he, he's no longer the director. He, he has, um, he's, he's supporting now the organization. Mm. Uh, we have, uh, and, we, and the last one, Taller Boricua, um, Rafael Tufino Print Shop. And this is in New York City. And uh, the director is Marcos Dimas uh, for the Taller Boricua and for the printmaking area, um, Nitsa Tufino. So as you see, we have uh, talleres from different uh, uh, places in the United States, you know, all, all, all over the United States. And, 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 and these talleres um, have also connections with so many people from, from other places. Um, initially, when, when the Consejo Grafico Nacional was, was formed, um, we had people from Mexico, um, Mexico City, uh, not Mexico City, Mexico, Mexico. Artemio Rodriguez was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you probably recognize the name. I do. Um, yes. Yeah. He he used to be uh, with his Manos Magicas Press. He used to be a member of of Consejo Gráfico Nacional um, some years back, and and like that, you know, we we have connections with with print shops all over South America, yeah. um, Mexico, um, and uh, yeah. So that's that's a short. That sounds amazing, long. and I I hope that that list of names inspires people to research and get in touch, or maybe even if they heard the name of one that's located in their city, they didn't know about, because yeah. it sounds like yeah. it's a really marvelous network of, of people doing good work. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and the beauty of it is that um, each taller focuses on something specifically i mean some of them do community outreach work some of them have visiting artist studios some of them are just studios uh, individual studios um and if you go to our website www.consejograficonacional.com you are going to see um you're going to get information about all of us. Mm. And yeah, like Miranda said, if you um, are near any of them, please contact them because that is that is the way that you can connect and be part of it. We put out uh, portfolio exchanges every year. Uh, well, from in the last uh, uh, three years, we, we started to do it every year. Um, so each, each taller 
uh, invites artists from outside their own talleres to participate so uh, uh, to participate and be part of the portfolio so if you make a connection with the taller um, you could um, be invited to to be part of these exchanges and and if you look at the at the website um, we have the, the portfolios um, up there listed um, you're gonna see the diverse uh, work and the diversity of artists that we that we have and that we invite um, so yeah it's 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 if you are especially if you are of Latino origin uh, and you're interested in knowing more about your culture about your roots about pre-making, um, in the US um, you know connect with us or or, or send us a message um, uh, I'm the current um, director of the group and uh, and if you send me an email through the website you know I'll be happy to answer your questions and um, and you know establish a conversation that's wonderful that's- oh well I, I hope that this reaches a lot of people and they get inspired to get in touch and to build that network and stronger ties and stronger print exchanges and more community and all of the good stuff that brings people to printmaking, really. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Printmaking is community, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of it. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, and so that's where people um, can find the Consejo Gráfico Nacional. Where can they find you? Where can they find Sandra C. Fernandez and and her work? <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, you can go to my website. It's uh, sandrafernandez.info. Uh, you can, um, and you, you can connect me through there or, or on Instagram at S Fernandez art. Uh, you can email me at studio at Sandra Fernandez that info. You can, yeah, those are, those are the, the initial contacts that you can, you can do with me. And, um, I love to talk to people. I love to share and, um, and I, you know, I can connect you with, uh, with people from Consejo Gráfico, and and I'm just I'm just very interested in, in in connections and in community. So please don't hesitate to to contact me. And if you want to know more about my work, obviously um, I would love to talk to you more about my work. You can see a lot of what I have done on my website as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a whole list of questions here about your incredible artist books that we didn't even get to so we're just going to have to have you back on again sometime so we can dive into all those details as well or maybe you'll get to chat about it a bit I don't know in the shop talk segment or something because you've got an incredible an incredible portfolio of work mixed media of all kinds and and really nicely documented so I really encourage everyone to to look at Sandra's website for sure it's um it is a treat yeah Thank you, Miranda. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. I've had such an incredible time talking to you and hearing your story. And um, I just, I really look forward to sharing it with everyone. And then, of course, you'll connect with Ronaldo to do your Spanish language. And we'll do the the double release and just build community uh, all (laughs) up and down these here americas yeah (laughs) oh i love it i love it i'm i'm so excited to have met you to have talked with you and uh it the work that you guys do is very inspiring and i i want to thank you for doing it well that's our show for this week join me again next week when my guest will be stacy lynn waddell We'll talk about her use of branding irons as printmaking, the late great actress Butterfly McQueen, and living the slow life in a manic world. 
This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week. Thank you.